Hey, dear listener, Anthony here. Before we hop into the show, I wanted to let you know about an incredible new resource we just released, The Five Rules of Investing. Dan and I are huge advocates of modeling the behaviors of the people who have done what you hope to do. And who better to model when it comes to investing than legendary investors like Warren Buffett, Howard Marks, and Ray Dalio? This free ebook breaks down the simple time-tested strategies of billionaire real estate investors that you can use to take your investing to the next level. So head over to InvictusMultifamily.com and grab your ebook today. All right, now let's hop into the show. Hello, and welcome to Multifamily Investing Made Simple, the podcast that's all about taking the complexity out of real estate investing so that you can take action today. I am your host, Anthony Vecino of Invictus Capital, and I hope you have enjoyed my narrator's voice. I am joined, as always, by Dan. Look at him out there in the wild Kruger in his natural inhab- uh, habitat of the Invictus the headquarters, the downtown Minneapolis. We should do like an NPR episode where we just do like NPR voice and just talk like- oh, Nice and calm, nice and quiet. Yeah. Okay. So today I'm going to be, I'm going to try and keep this up this entire episode. <laughs> no, so no, we're going to lose, we're gonna lose some, so many- We're, so many <laughs> we're going to lose all our listeners. Okay. Listeners. okay. okay. So, so if you have not left us yet, you have you have stayed this long. Well, bless, bless your beautiful heart. Uh, we appreciate you. So today it's let's talk about- away. We're two minutes in. Let's talk about one of the questions uh, a lot of people have when they come to real estate investing is how much do you really stand to make? Like, what do the returns look like? Because we talk about all the time, like real estate, great returns by comparison to a lot of other investment vehicles. But what does that really mean when we say great returns? And just to preface this, it depends, right? It's a bit of a moving target. So we're going to try and lay out the groundwork depending on your investor profile, different types of assets. So let's break this down, Dan. What type of returns can I expect as a real estate investor? Should we just go lawyer and say it depends? Uh, yeah, just take that. Provide like, no just, real information? No insight. Our lawyers, <laughs> okay. bless their beautiful lawyer hearts, they give us no info ever. <laughs> They don't listen to our podcast, do they? No, they probably don't. Actually, Zach, if you're listening to this, or Katie, we love you. We're not talking about you guys. We're talking about the not you guys. No, it's just lawyers and judges. Anyways, not not on top. But what we're talking about today is like how much money can you make in a real estate syndication, right? That's a really common question. We talk to a lot of investors, and like they're all curious about you know who we are, what we do, what our track record is, what the risk is. But really, the the big question that everyone shows up for that meeting slash Zoom call slash phone call whatever is. How much money can I make here? And then, you know, what's the risk? They want to know what 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 am I going to make? The answer is one million dollars. One million. Um, That's no. I think uh, <laughs> today's we're just going to talk about you know basically we're going to talk about our model first and foremost because we could provide the best kind of data on what we do. Uh, but there's various different asset classes. Uh, there's various different uh, deals out there with different risk profiles. But we're going to be talking about uh, B minus or C plus. Uh, asset class that uh, qualifies as value add, not necessarily distressed properties, not uh, war zone properties, but we like good quality buildings that are in good neighborhoods that are producing cash flow from day one 
and there's upside potential. So there's a value add component. So uh, I think that is a really popular niche to be in. Uh, so I think this episode should provide some clarity to the return profile for that asset class. And uh, I think that should help a lot of people. Uh, but there's a few different ways to look at the returns in real estate. And we are going to wrap this up with just you know a really basic number. But we want to just also let you know, let you know that there's few different ways that you make money in these deals, right? You cash flow on a monthly basis. Uh, if you're doing deals like us, we've got a refinance built in there. So that mid deal, sometime in the middle there, there's a capital event where there's cash that gets, uh, pulled, there's equity that gets uh, pulled out of the property, distributed to investors. Everyone keeps their same ownership percentage, um, but lets them take that capital and reload it into the next deal or buy Ferrari if they want. Uh, and then you've got the sale at the end, the proceeds at the end. So really, I think when people are asking, what, what's the, what am I going to make? They kind of want to know like just the aggregate, start to finish, all those different components. I'm not going to include tax. That's a whole other conversation. But you know, from start to finish, like how much would I make on average in a year or over a whole period, say five to seven years? Mm-hmm. So what's the number? And the answer is... <laughs> so, so what is it, Dan? <laughs> uh, no, I've actually gotten really good at, at, at nailing this down because I've, I've always just provided a ton of data. People said, okay, here's some examples of everything that's happened. It's just, okay, no, they don't want all of that. They just want to know on average. And so my, my, ex, uh, my answer to people now is to pay your expectations uh, somewhere in the mid-20s, average annual return. Uh, there's going to be deals that do better than that, and there's going to be d- deals that uh, don't quite hit that. But from start to finish, just the aggregate average annual return, we're not going to do the IRR thing. It's not that different. Um, that's kind of what you're looking at getting from a, a pretty good deal. Uh, when we present our deals, we usually present the worst-case scenario. Well, not the worst, worst-case scenario, but we present a pretty pessimistic scenario. Uh, when we put our deals together because we want to make sure that they can uh, weather an economic storm. But with that said, we know how these things actually turn out and how they have turned out and you know how much cushion we have in our, our projections. And so mid-20s, I think, is a really good uh, spot to anchor expectations for the types of deals that we do. So let's let's uh, compare this with a couple minutes that we have left on the show. Let's compare this and contrast it with what you might expect from a bond or stock market or say like a class a syndication so something that's a little bit more stabilized and not value baked into it uh in the same way that we do i think 20 to 25 percent irr is pretty common in the types of deals that we do but um you know certainly there's other other avenues that you can make money so it's helpful to compare it against some of the most likely alternatives treasuries pulled up here if you want Hit me with it. What can I get from the treasury? Uh, well, it's, is uh, it good? They're really small numbers. So like 10%? percent. Uh, I mean, what? I guess, you know, if we're looking at our types of deals and we're looking at seven to seven year or five to seven year deals, we should probably be looking at, you know, five to seven year term bonds to at least get something reasonable. So right now, five year treasury, uh, about 0.6 to 0.8%. So not great. So okay. Money up for and this is, a, this is an interesting point that I want to draw here is that Thomson Reuters did a 20-year longitudinal study from 1993 to 2013. They studied seven different asset classes, and in there, they, they ranked them across uh, risk and return uh, axes. And what they found was that commercial real estate of what we're talking about is a type had a risk profile similar to bonds. 
which I found really interesting. So you could go and get like, what's that? They have corporate on there, which is- They also have corporate, which is a little bit higher, but to a corporate or to a government bond, which is one of the lowest risk vehicles that people commonly think about. So commercial real estate has a risk profile similar to a government bond, but what is, I I can't even do the math on that. It's like uh, 40X the return than- than the government bond, like it's it, that's not even in the same ballpark. So let's go to the other side, and we're gonna uh, get taxed. Yeah. So let's go to the other side of that graph. Then the so the, we just uh, talked about the low risk, low return side, and we found okay, commercial real estate's there, low risk. Now let's look at the high return, high risk side, and that's where we found large cap stocks. So what's a, were the highest return? Oh, was it? Oh, really? Yeah. Mid caps are okay. higher. Large caps were smaller. Oh, that's right. And the small cap were mid caps had higher risk profile. Yep. So what kind of uh, returns do you remember that they were hitting? Uh, I don't remember the number off of that graph, um, but I would I would guess it's going to be slightly above the you know that average S&P number that people give, which is like 10 or 11%. So, yep. I mean, the S&P is in mid-caps, uh, Russell's mid-caps. So, um, you know, I would say add a few, a few points to that, but there's also, you know, a bigger standard deviation, uh, mm-hmm. maybe a bit more volatile, hence the increased risk. So I'd say, you know, we can be generous and say 13, 14% pre-tax returns with the risk profile significantly higher. So you get the, the returns that are better than the highest uh, asset class that the tops are just looking at and the, 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 the return or the, the risk profile of the you know, safest thing on there, which is yep. government bonds. So no matter how you slice it, you know, the, the returns that we're seeing on these types of value-add syndications, these private placements, they're almost double the returns that you would see on the stock market, but with the risk A-class, profile of a government bond. Uh, what a stabilized A-class syndication. What have you seen? I would, I would say like 12 to 14% would be- That's generous, honestly. Would be my expectation of like, yeah, but even like even then they're still generating returns equal to the stock market. And that's a really stable, safe choice where there's not a lot of meat on the bones. Theoretically, it's not going up because it's brand new. It's as valuable as it's ever going to be. Mm-hmm. So no matter how you really cut it, whether you're looking at value add C-class multifamily like we do or class A, you're getting returns either better or twice as good with with a risk profile comparable to the government bonds. It's like, I don't know, when you start to get that picture, that profile, it's like, wow, this is really crazy that more people don't do this. Yeah, and I think that's a factor. I know we're coming up close to the end here, but the one other nuance there is that uh, the returns aside, like the, the tax yeah. situation is going to be the one that really moves the needle for a lot of people. And as you get wealthier and as you have higher incomes, it's going to be a bigger and bigger factor for you. So if, it, if you aren't in that in a place where you're really looking at how can I reduce my tax liability yet, at some point you will be. And that's usually just the cherry on top for people. Um, the returns are great, but the fact that you actually get to keep significantly more of those returns relative to uh, anything else other than going out and drilling for oil uh, is usually what's what what makes this kind of a landslide asset class for a lot of people. Absolutely. So that's what you can expect in terms of returns. I don't know. Like we're just talking ballparks. Like that, none past performance is not a guarantee of future future performance. So don't say take what we're saying and be like they said twenty five percent IRR. So that's what I should get. But yeah, you know, just trying to ballpark it for you guys at home so that you have an expectation and realize like we're not talking about real estate just being a little bit better than the stock market and bond alternative. We're talking about it being a lot better 
So hopefully it was informative. If you're interested in learning more about investing in these vehicles, but you don't want to do any of the work, well, go pick up the book, Passive Investing Made Simple. It's on Amazon. It's awesome. It's going to help you learn more about how awesome this vehicle is. <laughs> so I don't know. That's, a, that's my shameless plug. We appreciate you guys. Make sure to go over to iTunes, that you subscribe, you hit the bell, you leave a review. I, I, I don't know. Hit all the buttons over there. And we'll look forward to seeing you guys uh, next week. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Multifamily Investing Made Simple. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a massive favor? Head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. Your feedback, it means the world to us as it helps us grow and spread the word about multifamily investing. And don't forget, sharing is caring. So fire this episode over to any friends or family who you think could benefit from learning all about multifamily investing. Thanks, guys. We appreciate every single one of you, and we'll see you on the next show.